0: Welcome to the podcast today. I am actually so thrilled about the guest that we have today, and I'm so honored that she's here and that she would come on the podcast. She is probably one of my greatest teachers. I've learned so, 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 so much from her, and um, she has actually helped my family out. So much. And so she probably doesn't even know how much she's helped out my family and how much my family adores her. <laughs> Number one fan right here. But um Natasha Daniels, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, why don't you tell everybody that's listening
1: about yourself? Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know, I didn't realize <laughs> how much I helped. I always feel like I don't help enough with anyone. So Um, I am a mom to three kids with anxiety and OCD, and I am an anxiety and OCD therapist, but I've pivoted and I provide online resources globally to families who are raising kids with anxiety and OCD and um, try to help them navigate because it's hard to get resources out there. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just
0: love you just so you know. Oh, you're so kind. (laughs) In in not a creepy way, but like... (laughs) Anytime, anytime, like somebody asks me for resources for OCD or resources for anxiety, like you are my number one resource that I send people to. And so I just, I'm so happy that you're here on the podcast and we get to soak up some of your knowledge today. So I
1: appreciate you inviting me on.
0: Yeah. So glad you said yes. Okay. Let's kind of start talking. All, um, all October, we're going to be talking about OCD on the podcast, um, especially since OCD awareness week is happening. And I think that it's so important to, educate people about OCD because I think there's a lot of kids and teens that are suffering with OCD and families. Like you always talk about how OCD is a family affair and I 100% completely agree. And so I just think that the work that you're doing is amazing. So why don't you just start off by telling us like, what, what is the difference between
1: anxiety and OCD in, in the way you explain it? It is tricky. So I'll just preface it with, it is tricky. So it's not like a clear cut thing because a lot of kids with OCD have anxiety and those that have anxiety have OCD. So they can overlap. So you can have kids and OCD also is opportunistic. So it will hijack an anxiety theme and then make it into OCD. So the best way I can explain the difference is that OCD is caused by an intrusive thought feeling or image that gets stuck in someone's head. And then they have to do something or avoid something to get brief relief. And so the biggest difference I see with OCD is that stuckness. So this, like this repetitive intrusive thought or feeling that's on a loop and you can't really rationalize or problem solve with it. And so A lot of times when parents think it's anxiety, they'll be like, I don't know why I'm not making any traction. Like we've talked about this. I've told you, your hands are clean already, or, you know, that you're not a bad person. We already talked about that. Why do you think that, you know, because you stole gum when you were two, that you're a bad person. We already discussed it. So you start to feel like the intrusive thoughts or feeling are almost nonsensical and you can't help your kids. And then they have to do things. And the compulsions are they can be doing. And so you might see your kids doing illogical or, or things that are out of context, um, or avoiding like they can't sit somewhere or they can't touch the remote. So you start to see behaviors that are, that don't make sense or avoid. And that's when it can get tricky because anxiety loves avoidance. And that's pretty much the bread and butter of anxiety is avoidance, but it's different. It's an avoidance on a level at times that is far beyond anxiety. So I can't say the word throw up, you know, I can't wear colors that are green because that reminds me of throw up versus anxiety might be, I don't want to go to school today because I have to present and I have social anxiety that makes me anxious where even the avoidance can be pretty extreme and illogical at times. I'm
0: like, (laughs) I'm reliving so much of my life right now. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's very, very hard to kind of distinguish. And I love how you say A lot of times, um, OCD, you can't rationalize with it. You can't, you know, talk a teen out of, you know, those obsessive or obtrusive thoughts. And then I think one of the other things is, you know, sometimes where it's, it's missed is some of those um compulsions they seem like good things like doing your homework consistently or you know like washing your hands with COVID like washing your hands is kind of like supposed to be a good thing or like saying thank you where those seem like good things but with OCD they're
1: not (laughs) not such good things that can be tricky because you do have parents who will say is it really that big of a deal If they're washing their hands because of COVID, or is it really that big of a deal? If they are, you know, worried about drinking or smoking and they're avoiding things like that, because isn't that a great thing? And it's not about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's the level of discomfort and disruption it causes in their life. And that's what we want to look at. Because even with COVID and hand-washing, there is the typical, and then there's the OCD realm of things. Um, And so it's not about whether the behavior makes sense or not. It's the level of discomfort and disruption that it's causing.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's a really, really good way to describe it. I I think another thing that I, that I want to bring awareness to this month is how, how common actually OCD really is.
1: What are the statistics on that? Do you know, off the top of your head? I do. I feel like they're not accurate because I feel like OCD is just not diagnosed enough. It's not caught by mental health professionals. So, but even with the statistics that we have, like one out of 200 kids have OCD, or I like this, uh, quote even better. It's that OCD as is as common as pediatric diabetes. And I feel like that really brings it home to the kids that I work with to say, you've heard of pediatric diabetes, you know, people who have diabetes and that's just as common. And so, it's actually a lot more prevalent than people realize. And I think it's much more prevalent than that even. Good to know. So you
0: guys, this is, this is something that we should be educated about and learn about and know about. How do you, how do you know if you have OCD? So say somebody's listening and they're like, do I have OCD? <laughs> how
1: do you know? Well, it's definitely good to get professional assessment, you know? So I think that, if you're not sure you can always just get an assessment and that's a good start. If you feel like you have to do things or avoid things in a compulsive way, you know, to get that brief relief, that might be a sign that possibly OCD is happening. I mean, I don't want people to self-diagnose, but I think it's when you have that loop in your head and it's playing over and over, whether it's an image that's stuck in your head or things just don't feel just right. Cause People think of OCD as like, maybe just germs, or maybe it's just, you know, to be a neat freak or, um, you know, maybe it's to be neurotic. We have all these like stereotypes and there's so many subtypes of OCD that people have no clue about. And so they'll think, well, I'm not, you know, and I've actually had parents say this to me like, oh, well, she's really messy. So I don't think she has OCD and it's like really missing the point. And so it's the framework is having that really upsetting thought or feeling that's stuck. And you have to constantly do something or avoid something to get that brief relief.
0: Yeah. Um, Which kind of goes into the other question I had for you is OCD. There are so many themes with it. It's not like the typical, like, oh, he's lining his cars up on the carpet and they're all like neatly organized. Like OCD really can have a theme around
1: anything, right? It can. I think that's where it gets tricky. Because, I mean, we have subtypes that we have, you know, simple names for, so we can put them in categories, but it really could be anything.
0: So what is the most common type of OCD
1: that you see? Oh, you know, ironically, and I don't think this is the most common out there, but I see a lot of moral OCD. And I don't know if that's because that's one of the first types of OCD that show up in kids. And because I work with kids and especially you know, when I had my practice, I was one of the only people that worked with young kids with OCD, but I am seeing a lot of moral scrupulosity type of OCD. I'm sure there's a lot of contamination with COVID too, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see moral OCD a lot. Describe moral OCD to us. So moral OCD is having that intrusive thought or feeling that you are going to be a bad person or that you are are a bad person or that you were a bad person. And it can show up in a lot of different ways, depending on where they are developmentally and what their knowledge is, and also like what their family belief system is. And so it looks really different for each person, but it could be they're afraid of lying. And so the compulsion might be to soften their, the ends of their sentences with like, maybe, or I think, or perhaps, you know, Um, can't make decisions. So if you say, do you want pizza tonight? Well, I think I want pizza Um, or maybe spaghetti. Like they can't, this is very, very subtle. Um, They might have intrusive thoughts that they're racist or that they are, um, that they are going to steal something or that they're going to do drugs when they're older. And so it shows up as different things. So you can even have hand-washing with moral OCD. I have an upsetting, intrusive thought, That feels really bad or taboo. And then I'm going to wash my hands to kind of wash it away. But more often than not, when they're little, the, the metaphorical washing is to confess it to the parent. And so that maybe that's why I see it a lot because I work with parents so much. And this is one that parents will start to notice after a while. My son keeps confessing their bad thoughts to me, or they keep telling me about things that happen that really weren't that big of a deal.
0: Oh my gosh. Lots to figure out when you're a parent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know there's a lot of myths about OCD that circulate around us. What um what is the biggest myth that you like want to tell the
1: listeners about OCD? The one that bothers me the most is that OCD is like this positive trait. Um you know that it helps you that you're an organized clean neat freak, you know, it's like, you know, I'm a little OCD about that. And it's not that I want people to think that OCD doesn't come with its silver linings, um, because it can, you know, I have, my kids have OCD and I think the side dishes of OCD that just kind of come with that disorder are like, you know, incredibly kind hearted, super intelligent out of the box thinkers. You know, there's, there's things that tend to come with people with OCD, but I think people use it and even companies will use it like in their slogans or in their name as someone who's like extra like diligent and and clean and organized and it's not something that people enjoy so when we're anxious and i i have an anxiety disorder i don't have ocd even though i've birthed a lot of kids with ocd um when i clean it gives me comfort it's like there's a sense of control um i can tell when i'm anxious or i'm struggling with my anxiety when my house looks really sparkly because the little things the clutter in the corners start to bother me and then when i clean them I feel like life is, is in control. That's a coping mechanism. That's good. Um, when you have OCD and things are bothering you in your environment, because you think that maybe they're, they have germs on them, or maybe they're not symmetrical enough, or it's not just right enough. There's never peace. There's never like comfort from that. It just, it never ends. It's never satiated. And so it's not a good thing.
0: Yeah. It's actually very hard to live with OCD. It's very. very hard. Yeah. And those who are living with su- OCD are suffering so, so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little
1: bit more about what we can do with OCD. You know, that's why I do what I do because it's counterintuitive, but I feel like as parents, if we know how to help our kids, which is not the maternal or paternal gut instinct of how to handle things. We can make it so much better. And, the, and we can give our kids long-term tools so that they can handle OCD. And so it doesn't have to dominate their life because OCD is kind of like termites. It grows and it can really like crumble foundations if you don't nip it in the bud. And it's never too late to go back and work on OCD. Um, but you just have to know how to handle it. Uh, And the first part is spotting it because it really can hide in plain sight. So getting that assessment or realizing, you know, it's not a quirk or a tick or something cute, or, you know, that's just her, um, but it's OCD is the first step is, is proper identification. And unfortunately we're just so behind in our mental health world that we don't have a lot of trained OCD therapists who can spot all the many different disguises OCD wears. so finding a proper. OCD therapist is the first step. Um, and you can go to iocdf.org slash find dash help, <laughs> we'll, like memorize that because that's their directory. Yeah. I'm going to put that. I will put that in the um, show notes. Yeah. Cause you want to find someone and that doesn't, they don't vet everybody on that list, but at least it's a good start. You know, that if you're on the international OCD foundations website, maybe the hope is that you have a better understanding than your average, um, mental health professional, And then the second part is learning what all those intrusive thoughts and compulsions are. And as parents, you know, our job is to connect them to resources, but also know our part in how we grow the OCD unintentionally and helping educate our kids on what OCD is. And if we don't know that we have to educate ourselves. So it's kind of a twofold. And then what am I doing with my kids that is inadvertently growing it? that is tricky. So tricky. Okay. So you have, how old are your kids now? They're getting older. So yeah, they in October, are. they all start to change ages because <laughs> they're all, their birthdays are all in October, November. So they will be, um, 11, 13 and 19, 11,
0: 13 and 19. Okay. They are, they are getting older. Yeah. So in, in raising your kids and I don't know the,
1: like which one has OCD and which ones have angst, do they all have OCD in different ways? Um, so my, my 19 year old will say that she doesn't have OCD. And honestly, I think it is subclinical to be fair, <laughs> but there okay. is there's definitely label check food, label checking food, inspecting, but she'll like, she'll rationalize it. And so two are like diagnosed with OCD and anxiety. And then my 19 year old would say she she's okay with me saying she has anxiety, but not OCD. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> All right. So If you were to like, as a mom of kids with OCD and anxiety, the number one or the number one tip that you would share, like with your kids and how to help them with their OCD and anxiety,
1: what would you say that is the best thing that I've taught in my practice, but also in my family is learning to face our fears and our discomfort one small step at a time. And you know, that's the key. That's the crux of it is, and that's, that's good. No matter who you are or what diagnoses or what non-diagnoses you have is learning how to like face our discomfort. And that's, that's what anxiety and OCD holds against us is, you know, you can't handle this or you need to do all these things to avoid this discomfort. And when we learn how to tolerate it and we don't swoop in and rescue our kids, we teach them that they can handle it. And it's okay. in small bite-sized steps that that's the most powerful thing we can do. Yeah.
0: And you kind of do it in some fun ways too, where you offer like some motivation. And I think the thing that's so important to take from that is it's, it's bite-sized steps. It's not like just sending them off to the homecoming
1: dance. <laughs> so they're like panicking, right? <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not throwing them in the deep end and it's incentivizing them because we want that to be a decision that they make ideally. And so, you know, at my house, we use an app and they're, they earn things. And so when they want something, that's something I wouldn't necessarily get them. It's like, well, what challenges or exposures do you want to do? Or sometimes my kids will even call me on my social anxiety and say, mom, that's an exposure. Like you should wear that, you know, because I know you're nervous about it or, um, and so it becomes a family way of being and they love it because they like to earn stuff and they also realize as they're getting older and this is kind of a new pivot that I'm starting to see just now that they're older is that they don't want to have these issues and they see that it works that when they do these small steps um towards their discomfort or what anxiety knows he doesn't want them to do that they get their power back they get their life back and so that that's the ultimate win yeah I love that. My, um, my seven-year-old has
0: an exposure book and he writes all the foods that he eats in it and he gets certain amount of points for, <laughs> for, each, for certain types of foods that he like will not eat. And so, yeah, it's a way for him to earn like, Hey, I want that nerve gun or what, but yeah, really, I think the most important thing, and I agree with you 100% is teaching teens how to, how to face their fears and how to get through their challenges without avoiding
1: them. And, you know, and it, they'll thank you later. Cause I know, so my daughter who's 19 just went to college and we, she's been there a month and we just went to go visit her and do Disneyland. And she said, you know, mom, I'm like one of the only kids, like I'm one of the only people here that is not afraid to drive. And it was so funny because that was one of her major anxiety themes is, was driving. And, um, and it happened at bad time, you know, because my husband passed away, like suddenly, and she was in the middle of driving and like, I can't, I couldn't handle that. Like my nervous system could not handle being in a car with her. And so I spent a fortune on like driving school, but eventually I said, you know what, this is your life. And, you know, you can be like your aunts on both sides who struggled and didn't drive until their thirties. That's up to you. Um, But then I would order her Starbucks, you know, which is like just two miles away. And I'd be like, but there is a Starbucks waiting for you. I've already ordered it, you know? And so if you can get in your car and get to it, you can have it. And that motivated her, you know, eventually she didn't need that, but, um, and she's driving in California, which I think is really scary. Yeah, totally. Good for her. That's awesome. Anything
0: else like that you feel like is really important to know about OCD before we finish?
1: Uh, I think it's important to know. That you know, know that you need a, an OCD therapist and not just a general practitioner or like a general therapist um, because that can do more harm than good. So, if you're not sure if it's anxiety or CD, it's really important to get that assessment because if we approach it like it's anxiety, we can actually grow the OCD. And there's a lot of therapists who will spend a full hour, like basically doing compulsions with the client because they're just processing and offering reassurance, which for For OCD will just grow it.
0: Yeah. So I know that there's some resources you can go to, like if you want to get an assessment or if you think that you have it, or think that, or like want to learn more about it, what are some of those good resources to go to?
1: Um, you know, definitely the international OCD foundation is the best website. So IOCDF.org, they have tons of articles and tons of information for an assessment like globally treatmyocd.com is a good resource now because you can do a virtual assessment and that's been helping a lot of families. I have a website, so I do a podcast and I have courses and stuff to fill in that gap where parents aren't sure, you know, what to do or how to do it. And that can help too.
0: Yeah. And I've taken her classes, you guys, and they're really good. So,
1: so tell us where
0: we can find your classes,
1: where we can find you. Well, I have an online school, so you can, for my classes, you can go to at parenting survival And I am excited because I am releasing um, a new class crushing OCD for kids and teens, and that's brand new. And that's coming out probably by the time you release this, it'll be out. Cause I think we're opening it next week. Okay. And so that's, if you want to take courses and I am actually going to have a free course that'll come out soon too, on just understanding OCD for kids and teens, Um, so you can check that out there. And then for my podcast, I make YouTube videos for kids and teens, predominantly like older kids and teens, and you can find all that at parentingsurvival.com.
0: Okay. Awesome. You guys check her out. She's amazing. The work that she does is amazing. And thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate it. Yeah. Hey guys, do you want more? If you are ready to work with me in one of my coaching programs for teens, check out my website, knowingup.com. That's K-N-O-W-I-N-G-U-P.com. Whatever you are struggling with, whether big or small, I can help. We learn so much more in my programs than what is offered here on the podcast. Come join me, you guys. See you soon.